This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Thursday, June 11th, 2020, and I have the one and only Thunder E on the show of Board at Work. Hi, Thunder E. How are you? I am good. Thank you for having me back. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been like, I think, a year and a half, which is kind of crazy. Like, time just flies. I know, I know. And I want to, you know, I want to start the show by acknowledging the fact that we live in a really crazy time. You mm-hmm. know, I've talked about, I think people have a pretty clear view on my position about the politics in this country and the Trump regime. I'm not a fan. And I also have talked about, you know, acknowledge that we live in a time of pandemic a while back and that things are difficult for a lot of people right now. Mm-hmm. But I think for centuries now, the black community has been essentially treated like crap by everyone else. And it's come to a pretty obvious place this last few weeks, right? Yeah. And I kind of want to talk about that because I think the reaction of the tech community has been really interesting and positive, even though I have some (laughs) reservations about it. But I want you to tell me what you think of, of all of this. And I want to say Black Lives Matter. I support the movement. You know, to those of you who don't understand what that means and say, well, all lives matter. It's like saying, save the rainforest, right? Like, you're not saying not saving any forests. Like, of course you want to save all the forests. That's a given. But what needs more of our attention right now is the rainforest, which is suffering from incredible deforestation. In the same way, Black Lives Matter, because what really matters right now more than anything is the lives of black people in this country and people of color. Yeah. Um, again, thank you for having me on. Um, it's uh, it's a pleasure to, it's a pleasure and also a pain that um, I get to talk about this because it's not something anyone wants to talk about. It's something that you hope you know goes away at some point, uh, and hopefully it's now. Um, it's been an interesting you know couple of weeks, especially after the passing of. Uh, George Floyd in the hands of the police officers. And, you know, the first thing that came to mind was, eh, again. And literally with that kind of sound, because I've become so used to seeing on a regular basis that it's become uh, sort of normal in my head. And, you know, when the protests started and then people started talking um, and then, you know, people started demanding. I said, okay, you know, I'm glad this is happening. I'm glad that, you know, there's hopefully some accountability and people are still pushing for it. And it's given me some hope. It's given me some hope to say that hopefully things will change. People understand that um, the, there is no difference in human beings when it comes to skin color. You know, what we care about is the content of your character. We've heard that from many great, you know, people say that in the past is that we, the way you evaluate someone is, is who they are. Well, you know, what kind of person, how do they treat other people? You know, if it's at work, what, how good are they at work? That's how everybody wants to be treated. And that's how, you know, uh, a lot of black people and myself have gone like, yeah, that's just all I want. It's the same way I tell people, look, 
judge me and say that, yes, you know what, you didn't like my video because of the mistake I made here, or you didn't cover this. And that's fine. And that's great. You know, and that's, that's where, um, you know, some of the pain and anguish has come from. And, you know, one of the things we talked about earlier when, before we started the podcast was how the tech community has um, responded. Um, I want to say that I'm very happy to be part of the community, especially the people that um, I guess you could say I work with because technically we don't have coworkers. <laughs> right. But, but, but um, you know, seeing other creators uh, talk, lend a voice, uh, make videos, try to educate people, share things um you know check people when needs to be checked uh lend support even just reaching out it's been it's been great to see that within the tech community and it's been it's been such a blessing because it doesn't feel like i'm alone yeah you know it doesn't feel like we're alone and i i I just want to send out a very big thank you to everyone because I've been really appreciative of just the support and the way everyone has looked at at this situation and things and gone like, okay, it's just gone too far. Now, the other half was also the fact that, you know, we've got tech companies also responding in, exactly, in yeah. some, some form or fashion. Uh, you know, a lot of companies have come out, uh, what it's non-tech and tech companies have come out and said, hey, look, we're going to donate a uh, hundred million here for diversity programs. Um, uh, you know, a hundred million there, we're going to do this and do that. And, you know, part of me, the cynical part of me is like, oh, do you have to just do it now? You could have done this a while back. <laughs> right. You know? um, and, you know, I, I, am I going to see press conferences now where you're just going to roll out every single black person that you have in your company to say, talk about this section of a product and this section of product, which is, which is kind of, it's nice to see, but it's also nice to see that grow. Yeah, and that's that's the part that you know I agree with you because we talked about it a little bit earlier. We said, you know, it's a bit, you can look a little cynical because you're like, okay, is this just PR? You know? Yeah, it feels like marketing to me sometimes, but also that's because I'm being cynical, you know, because I haven't seen change happen in so long. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm like, oh well, maybe this is the beginning. Like I got to give them a chance, right? Like Apple today, Tim Cook made a statement, and I watched the video, and it seems really sincere. Yet you go to Apple's executive webpage, and it's you know the the most senior executive all white and. And I know, like, there are the right people for the job. I get that. But at the same time, I'm just like, uh, this is problematic, right? Mm -hmm. No, no, it, it's very true. And I think those changes need to be made. Uh, and just to make it clear to anyone who's listening is, I'm not saying you should go out and replace. I'm not saying that you should just literally, you know, take a, a bunch of whiteboard members and say, no, okay, look, we got to hire a bunch of black people. No, that's not the case. I'm saying... If you want your company to reflect, then start growing that in your company as well. Because, you know, there's one thing to say these are exec. There's another thing to, to see that, hey, you know, Apple, you know, Microsoft, Google, they're hiring more minorities in different positions. And so that when I meet somebody from Google and the person, you know, is African-American and they're like, yeah, you know, I, I'm working in this. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. You're, you're doing something you love and you're good at it in that position. So just giving that breath, I think makes, uh, uh, I would like to see that change and hopefully it actually happens, but uh, it's a wait and see game at this point. And I just, I'm just going to thank everyone who's been protesting out there and uh, giving voice and saying, hey, look, 
we need to change. I think the biggest thing is what, you know, we'll see policy-wise from the government itself that's going to make those changes uh, there, you know. For sure. And I think, you know, for those of you who are upset about the protests, I mean, understand that protesting has been a very effective way in the past to change things for the better. And it's our right as citizens and residents and and even non-residents of the U.S. to do it. Mm -hmm. It is part of the Constitution. And you know, yes, it sucks that some people are destroying property and and looting, but you know what? That's a small price to pay for lives. Like, you cannot replace lives. You can fix the Target store, okay? And yes, I don't want to see property getting damaged. You know, if my car was parked in a protest area and burnt down, I'd be pissed. But you know what? I wouldn't be as pissed as I am when George Floyd is being strangled to death, okay? that mm-hmm. that's That's how I feel. And so... And so that's kind of why this is important. And if you don't understand what we were just talking about with uh, Thunder E about this institutional issue, right? It's like, if you want to change racism in your organization or with, you know, your group of people, your family, your friends, you have to understand that it's a fabric. It's a part of how we do things in this country. It is so ingrained in everything we do, all the institutions. It is systemic. It's not individual people necessarily who are the bad ones here it's the way the system has been designed for centuries to bring down people of color and that's what the problem is and that's what hopefully can finally change with this you know not to mention all the policing stuff we could be talking about because because the police has been really violent for a really long time especially towards people of color and it's been a real problem yeah, I mean, I, I look, I definitely agree, and and I'm thank you for just hitting those points because, um, I, I I was on the Pocket Now podcast earlier this week, and you know I was talking to Joshua Vergara, and we said, you know, he was talking about, he was asking me about you know my thought process and you know what I've gone through, and I said, look, I've got many stories, and one of the things that I find very disheartening is that I don't know any any black person who does not have a police minimum harassment story you know just just on the very bare basis that it's sad that that's the case and i have young cousins who are going to college this fall Mm -hmm. you know uh and i have to especially talk to my cousin who's a boy about how to handle and deal with the police yeah his dad will but i'm still going to do that too because i am like okay look i don't want anything to happen to my little cousin I want him to come back home safely. And, and those are the kind of conversations we shouldn't be, be having, you know. And, you know, there's somebody asked me a question, and I just repeated what Will Smith said was, you know, this is asking, you know, like, why we see more of this. And I said, look, I mean, Will Smith said it best. He said, you, it's not that it's not been happening. It's just that camera phones just got better. That's yep. it. It's yeah. very true. And, and you tied it back down to tech. I love it. I mean, look, folks, the reality is this. Imagine you're not a person of color and you get in your car to do your normal everyday things and you get pulled over and immediately you get treated like a thief. Mm-hmm. And pretty much systemically lately, a lot of violence gets applied to you. And, and it's not okay. Like, this is the problem. And this is what systemic racism is. It's because people are targeted and treated differently because of the way they look. And that is something that we need to change. And thankfully, as you said, camera phones are there to rescue. Mm -hmm. So on that note, should we transition to the show, to the phones, to the stuff we normally talk about? 
Yeah, yeah. All right. So I'm really excited, speaking of phones and cameras, by the phone that you recently reviewed on your channel, the Redmi Note 9 Pro Max, I believe. That's quite a <laughs> mouthful. So tell us, tell us what you think, because this is kind of interesting. You know, Xiaomi sends me devices. They probably send you devices too sometimes, but it's kind of random. You never know what you're going to get. And mm -hmm. it seemed like, I was like, this is so weird that, I, I was wondering maybe if one of your fans requested you to review it or something, because I never really get what I want from Xiaomi, right? Yeah, no, it's the same way too with Xiaomi. But I've been I've been getting requests from fans to cover low cost devices for a while, uh, and you know Xiaomi hit me up and said, "Hey, we've got this device." I asked them how much, and they were like one hundred and eighty four dollars or so. I said, let me check it out. And one of the coolest things that I think Xiaomi has been doing lately is the, the trickle-down effect of their technology. So the camera for a sub-$200 device is really good. Now, it's mm -hmm. not the greatest camera in the world, but put into that perspective of the price point. And you can see, I can tell you that that's the camera from a Xiaomi phone from maybe a year and a half ago. You can almost tell where it's come from. Mm -hmm. So it's good to see that, you know, um, price point wise has gone down. You've got a 5,000 milliamp battery, which is great, uh, especially for someone who's just thinking on a budget. It's got fast, it's got faster charging than the iPhone SE. Let's put it that way. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and it's, it's an overall solid device and I was impressed with it. And, you know, we, you mentioned this earlier, um, you know, Chinese manufacturers have gotten more innovative, especially in places where you should be cutting corners, at least traditionally, when you're going to low-cost devices. Uh, so it was good to see that they are bringing something like that. And I'd like to see more devices like that in the U.S., but again, that's, you know, it's going to be harder to see. But I'm glad that offering is there on Android line, though. Yeah, no, I, look, I've been really excited about these cheaper um, Chinese phones. And I, I put that in quotes because it's like I always lump them together and it's kind of wrong. I mean, ultimately, these are phones that are primarily sold in Asia and India, right? And mm -hmm. and the, you can buy them gray market with Google mobile services um, in the US. So it's not like they're impossible to get. Be Gearbest, one of the affiliates that I have, is, is, uh, is selling them. So it's not impossible. It's just that when we think $180 phone, we think, you know, cheap Alcatel, we think cheap mm -hmm. Moto, like Moto E, we think uh, maybe uh, a, a Nokia 5 dot something. Something, and, yeah, exactly. Right, and, and they're fine, they're fine, they're okay phones, but they're not like Snapdragon 700 series like this phone is. They don't yeah. have multiple, like, okay, they might have two cameras in the back, but they don't have like three or four like we're seeing from... Uh, from China, although I have to say a lot of them are copping out. I've had this conversation now, two shows in a row, third show now with you, of the, the dreaded two megapixel fixed focus <laughs> micro camera that we're seeing on everything, right? It's like, yeah. oh, let's add that. It's $10 or whatever, probably 10 cents. It's like, I, yeah, you know. No, I agree. I, I think they, uh, that, that two megapixel micro camera is just uh, old stock they need to get rid of. It literally has to be. It totally feels like that. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and so anyway, the point I'm making though is that for less than $200 or around $200, even if you bump the price up, you know, to of this phone to $200, I mean, what's the competition? The new Moto G Fast, Fast right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which doesn't even come close in terms of specs. And 
Of course, you now the the GE stylus and the GE Power have come down in price. There was a sale this week. Uh, you can get them for two hundred dollars. But that also would buy you maybe the TCL 10L, which is a decent phone, which right. which will is two fifty normally, but it might come down in price. But the point is, you're still looking at Snapdragon six hundred series phones. You know, you're still looking at phones that don't have quite the cachet of what an Oppo or a Realme or a Vivo or a Redmi mm-hmm. or a Xiaomi or a Poco or, a, you know, what other brands do we have here? We have a whole bunch, right? Or Honor <laughs> or Huawei. Honor. Yeah, exactly. Right? Would bring to the table. And that's interesting to me. It's like, it's like, on one hand, I'm happy to see cheaper phones, especially in this pandemic time for people who have choices, but I'm a little annoyed that they're not officially sold here and that they're not endorsed by, you know, uh, the big sellers, right? Like, it'd be great to see. I'm not sure. Maybe this phone is on Amazon. Some of them end up on Amazon, but it'd be great to see that on Amazon where you know you have a return policy and you know you can get it delivered in a timely manner, et cetera, right? Yeah, no, I do agree. And I know Xiaomi has has talked in the past, I think it was the last two years, about them trying to come to the U.S. And there is some barrier of entry coming to U.S. US market that uh, has to do with carriers and carrier certification on one end. We all know how the dreaded Verizon certification can be for... For many, uh, for many phone manufacturers. <laughs> yes. So I think some of that comes into play. You know, what I was hoping to see was Amazon fulfill the role that they were trying to shape. Where remember when they first made the Amazon Fire Phone that failed, yeah. and then they had like the Amazon certified. Is it certified Amazon? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like an Amazon approved list of Correct. devices. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I wish Amazon continued that, where you know you could get the phone slightly cheaper if it had ads on there, uh, which. I know some people complained about, but it was a nice way for all these manufacturers to come in and say, hey, you know, you, know, you can get the uh, Redmi Note 9 Pro Max for $200 or with ads, you could get it for $150, you know, right. something like that. So yeah. hopefully, like that's something I, I wish continued because that was probably the easiest way to get more of these devices. But uh, I'm sure you can still find it on Amazon with a few, you know, sellers putting it up there uh, uh, for people to pick up. Yeah, and if you're interested, you know, watch um, Thundery's video. I'll put it in the show notes, and you know, click on the affiliate link and support him. Okay, um, and uh, and the the bottom line is is that these phones, just to give you some perspective for the listeners, is that you are probably going to be okay on a U.S. carrier. My experience with Chinese phones is that Verizon might not work, or might only work with LTE and. That can be mm-hmm. iffy sometimes, but generally Timo and AT and T will be fine at any of the, um, you know, the the uh, virtual the budget operators, carriers, right? Yeah. The budget budget carriers, uh, the they will work fine as well. So you have some options uh, for Timo. Keep in mind that usually you don't get the band seventy one, which is six hundred megahertz, which mm-hmm. might matter in your market. So. You know, you need to test that for sure. But those are generally the, the restriction we're seeing. We're not, we're seeing LTE only on on Verizon, and we're seeing no 600 megahertz on T-Mobile on these phones. But everything else works, like Wi-Fi calling, which generally works. Mm-hmm. You know, all this stuff is there, and uh, especially if you buy them through a, a reputable importer, you end up getting really good support, right? And yeah. You, you shouldn't really be afraid too much to to take the plunge. And, you know, different Chinese companies have different skins on their Android phones, and some of them can be more annoying than others. But generally speaking, I find, and, and tell me what you think, E, 
I feel like we're getting to a point where they're all getting much better. Like, I mean, there's oh, a few out, there's a few outliers like Vivo, uh, Touch Touch, whatever it's, it's called, Touch OS or a Touch OS. Yes, I yeah. Believe. But but I think, for example, Oppo with the Find X2 Pro has gotten really really clean with ColorOS recently. Yes, uh, I think Xiaomi's getting better. It's still not great, uh, but it's it's getting there. And if you have a Redmi phone, you pretty much have a Xiaomi phone and mm-hmm. a Poco phone. Same thing. Um, and then, you know, we've got, um, of course, Huawei and Honor, we're going to talk about that in a second, but you don't have GMS on the latest phones from them. So that's a big, big problem, um, you know, but at the same time, I think the UI has gotten much cleaner than it used to be. Right. So I think yeah. overall, um, you know, the, the general feel I have from these phones is that you get a lot of bang for your buck. I just received an Oppo Reno 3 Pro, which okay. is a made, yeah. in in, made in India. Uh, for the Indian market, and, and like basically, I believe exclusive to India, uh, MediaTek sent me one to play with because it's got a P95 in it, which is a newer chip. And honestly, that thing looks like a million bucks and it's like, you know, $300 or something, you know? Yeah, it is. It's a solid phone. I, I checked it out. Uh, performance was really good on there. I mean, I always do, you know, uh, gaming videos on most of my phones. And I was quite impressed with what it actually, I mean, just the performance the look um and the budget category overall is getting better across the board so hey people i just say go check out devices out there there are many options for you to pick from and uh you can probably find something that fits you quite well under 500 bucks oh absolutely there's a ton of choices especially if you include the chinese phones Mm -hmm. i like to put quotes around that because it's such a generic way of talking but um the point is that you know if you go to my youtube channel I've got a lot of these phones. Like I, I somehow, I feel that because a lot of my audience is in India and a lot of my audience likes phones that are affordable, I've been trying to focus on them a little more. So there's tons of, of them there. But I think everyone now is more aware of it because of the pricing issues, right? Like, I mean, cost mm-hmm. is, you know, real f- people are losing their jobs. The economy is not that great. And so we're all trying to make uh, to make, uh, you know, changes to our budget. And I think that this helps a lot. But on the opposite side of the world, in the premium, premium, ultra mad flagship world, which still exists for the ballers mm-hmm. out there, we've got the Huawei P40 Pro Plus this week yeah. that some of our colleagues got their hands on. We're both waiting for our devices still. Like somehow I think they're stuck in customs or something. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's true. I just assume that we're waiting uh, for a good reason. Um, but anyway, you've played uh, with the maybe the P40 Pro or the Mate 30 Pro and you have an idea what to expect. And I'm honestly really stoked. This is a phone with two telephoto. One is a folded zoom lens like Periscope and the other one is a regular telephoto. Like, holy crap. Yeah, I, I, I did my camera comparisons with a P40 Pro. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely love that camera. Uh, one of the interesting things that I think Huawei has done that most people didn't recognize is for a lot of Chinese mobile manufacturers, the front-facing camera adds a lot of skin smoothness to to you. If you like that kind of stuff, that is great. That is so true. <laughs> the P40, on the other hand, absolutely not. It's be, it was it it gave me some really great images, which I was I was quite impressed with it. And the regular images were also really solid across the board. So what I was hoping to see with the Pro Plus is how they take the zoom, which 
as much as the Galaxy S20 Ultra failed in, in certain areas of the camera, I really liked the zoom lens as long as it went up to about 30x. It was fine right. with me. Uh, 50x was passable if you're looking at a big building from afar. Uh, 100x is just completely unusable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it also did really a really good job in low light. So I want to see what it actually does um, against that. Um, now, I know, um, you know, Fisher dropped his video and I just saw Saf dropped his video today. Oh, I need to well, watch that. Um, comparing both of them, um, the cool. S20 Ultra and that. And at least from the initial inclinations was, it looks like the S20, where I stopped because this video was 25 minutes. <laughs> the S20, wow. um, S20 had the slight edge with the zoom so far. So Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I saw Michael's video, and I'll link it in the show description below because, um, you know, he uh, he and I were actually talking offline about this a little bit. Um, I kind of wanted to get a feel for a few things so that I could prepare my my time with the, the 40 Pro Plus. And it's interesting, you know, because I have a P40 Pro. I literally just took it uh, to the beach this week. We decided to finally escape far away in a deserted beach in Marin, there were like, I think, eight people on a one square kilometer beach. It was wonderful. Nice. Um, yeah, it was a nice break from the hustle and bustle of the city. Even though it's pretty quiet in the city of San Francisco with the pandemic, it's still, you know, I live on a busy street. So it was nice to get away, get in nature, no cell phone service, take some beautiful photos with cool phones, eat some cheese because we're like, I don't know, we always go get cheese at the creamery some of them were open that was surprising we didn't expect it at all but i took the p40 pro with me kind of wanted to you know hadn't used it in a while and with this pro plus coming soon i wanted to kind of reset my frame of mind on this phone and man wow like it just every time i take photos with that phone just blows my freaking mind the dynamic range mm -hmm. the low light performance the flexibility of shot choices and so to give the listeners some perspective so that they know what to expect when I get the phone and when you get your review uh, out there from the, the, the Plus, the big difference is, is that the normal one has a 5X optical zoom that can hybrid zoom up to 30X or something, right? Yeah. And I'd say up to 10X, it's perfectly usable, probably even higher than that. But I mean, I'm a picky person, so I'd stop at 10X. Uh, and the nice thing about the Pro non-plus is that that sensor on the zoom lens is an RYYB sensor. Mm -hmm. So it's the same super low light sensitive sensor as the big main 50 megapixel, right? Yeah. And so there's the 40 megapixel ultra wide that's also used for, for video, cine, whatever sensor. And then there is the 50 megapixel main RYYB. And then there's that telephoto 5X. And then there's a depth sensor. That's the 40. And so the 40 Pro Plus, sorry, that's the 40 Pro. The Pro Plus adds an extra zoom lens. It makes the 5X periscope into a 10X, which is insane. I don't know how they fit that many. I mean, I knew, <laughs> I mean, you saw the, the like the design of it. It design. goes like it bounces off and like multiple yeah. like uh, interesting patterns Camera inside angles, the, yeah. the, the lens system. It's crazy. But they managed 10X optical, which nobody's ever done. And then they have, um, because there's a big gap between that, like 1X and 10X, they put a 3X non-periscope mm -hmm. non -like telephoto. And uh, both have 8 megapixel sensors that are RGB, so not the low light type sensor, versus the single 12 megapixel telephoto RYYB on the non-plus. So that's the differences. 
So my big question will be really when I test this E will be, let's see how it does in low light for telephoto, right? Because the- Yes, exactly. That is that is exactly because one of the things I loved with the S20 Ultra low light telephoto is um, uh, my test revolved around taking low light shots at bars <laughs> because that's where most people, I think, take low light well, shots. Well, it's anyway. a good place to lots yeah. of motion. Motion, yeah. Um, very low light, crappy everything. And, Perfect. And it, especially if you're in Brooklyn like I am, you've got places to have, you know, funky colors, you know, neon lights in there as well. Uh, you get so nice bouquet opportunities, which exactly. is fantastic. So, so I want to see how that actually fits and what Huawei has done with that because that you know I think, I think um, the stuff that the, you know Huawei is doing you know other manufacturers like Samsung as well with the periscopic lens I really like in cameras because I remember the conversation that happened around with the S twenty Ultra launch and some people talked about you know do we need this in cameras and. You know, I'm in the camp saying yes because nobody's buying a dedicated camera anymore. The mass consumer, correct? You know, YouTubers yep. like YouTubers like me. Yes, I, I own several cameras, different lenses. But you know what? Uh, my girlfriend is not a YouTuber, and she wants a camera that can do multiple things. So it's our smartphones now. So I like that these features are added, and hopefully they get fleshed out sooner and sooner. So at least we know that. Look, um, you know. Two years from now, 10x zoom on a smartphone should be, you know, should be on point. Should be should be something you yeah. can can look forward to, and and those features are added. So, I, I, like just like you, I'm excited to see what the P40 Pro Plus Plus yeah does <laughs> with that. I know. I think for me, the biggest innovations in imaging in the last two three years have been folded like periscope uh, zoom lenses. Mm-hmm. And I think this gimbal that uh, Vivo is pulling out with the uh, X50 Pro uh, that I've discussed, this is the fourth show now, uh-oh. So I'm excited about this one because I think that OIS, obviously, optical image stabilization, has been a thing for a long time. time yeah. And for a while there, the you know the phone makers kind of thought they could get away with it like not having not it yeah. because they could use algorithms to do uh, digital stabilization. And granted, yes, you can use a gyro input and you can add gyro, you know, electronic stabilization. But if you already start with optical, you have a real, really good basis. It turns out yeah. that now that we've been able to technically marry the two, we're seeing the results. So the next logical step is not just moving the lens, but moving the entire camera, camera. right? Yeah. Which is exactly what this Vivo X50 Pro is doing by having the camera, uh, the sensor and lens mounted on a gimbal, basically a tiny lens. And that to me, I think we're going to see more of that, especially because Vivo is BBK group, which is also Oppo and OnePlus. Yeah. And they share everything, you know. It's like, remember, Oppo Find X2 Pro, we have a custom-made sensor by Sony. Uh, no, you don't. It's a Sony IMX <laughs> you know, uh, 689 <laughs> or whatever it is. And look, it's on the OnePlus 8 Pro as well. And I think it's on the Vivo X50 it, fact, it is as on the well. Vivo, I think, yeah. So I'm like, uh, you know, it's always like that with BBK. They use that as an entry point and then, you know, mass, uh, you know, purchasing power for parts becomes the thing. That's how yeah. they are able to bring out like phones like this Redmi that you reviewed that's so cheap. It's because economies of scale, right? Um, yeah. 
So, yeah, I think I'm super excited about where photography is. Every time I think we've kind of reached a plateau, somebody else just comes out and goes, Haha, hold my beer, check this <laughs> out, right? And it's just so exciting to me. No, it is exciting. I mean, think about how, how far we've gone. I mean, my, my first initial love of mobile photography was the uh, Lumia 920. Right. You know, that, you know, did low light better than any phone at that time. And, you know, and then there was a Lumia 1020, uh, larger sensor. And we've seen how things have changed where, you know, we know that in a couple of years, we're going to have things that are more aesthetic, like having an under-display front-facing camera in yep. a device uh, and also having that, that camera, um, oh, I forgot the technology. Remember the OnePlus... Um, uh, McLaren demo that they showed at CES. Oh yeah, yeah, the the yeah. photochromatic or whatever. Photochromatic, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So having those, yeah, that's still aesthetic, but that adds some some level of just you know comfort to your device. And then pairing that with you know better periscopic zoom, better low light capture, better uh, you know, it's almost like I wish I could create that futuristic uh, smartphone camera that has. Google algorithms, um, you know, I like the Samsung Color Science, um, but it depends on whichever one you want. You know, that gimbal you just mentioned from Vivo in there at the same time. Uh -huh. um, you know, maybe uh, some of uh, these Xperia ones pro camera feature sets into oh, that phone nice. as well. Yeah. You know, so it's it's a wonderful playing field as we look at smartphone photography moving forward because it's allowing people to capture you know um i did uh, i did a talk with danny a, a while back and you know we, they were they were asking us about you know uh how do you feel about certain devices that you work with and danny gave the perfect example this is danny winget by the way yeah, yes. um he gave a perfect example. He's like, look, there was a there was a device he was sent. It was actually a uh, a sponsored video, but when you watch the video, you could hear the joy in his voice because he took he went on family vacation. He took about a hundred shots, and the ones of his children came out beautifully. He sent it to me, and I was like, he's like, dude, I love this camera, man. Like, I can see my kids. You you could hear the dad in him, not the right. Tech not the tech review yeah. yeah you know and that was i was like that's what you want to get and this is this is the kind of things we're getting from smartphones not you know him getting a friend who's a professional with a you know with a camera or him learning how to take photos it's that he's just pointing and shooting and he's capturing you know those moments so it's uh it's it's gonna be beautiful down the line I think it's only going to get better and it's going to make it harder and harder for people to justify having a dedicated camera anymore, you know, and even for us, potentially, I think, I mean, <laughs> we're all using iPhone 11s for shooting video right now. As far as I know, a lot of us creators, at least for B-roll. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I've done the plunge. I've taken the plunge and bought an iPhone 11, like the non-pro, just for video, just for mm -hmm. that, just to shoot my, my YouTube channel content because... It just has been such a quantum leap in in video quality, yeah. so I'm I'm excited to see where we go from here. And uh, you know, the only thing obviously about the P40 Pro Plus is just like the P40 Pro, there is no hack to really properly restore GMS and get you your Google Apps back in working order. That as it that is like. There are some hacks, but they're just not practical. They're so, long steps, very correct. long steps. And, uh, you know, with the Mate 30 Pro and some other phones, like I've got an Honor V30 
uh, 5G and I've got uh, an, another honor from uh, right after the ban so that they also don't have GMS, but those were easy to hack to re-enable GMS, mm -hmm. just like the Mate 30 Pro. So as long as you can live without you know, and some people, I think in some markets can, obviously in China, but yeah. even in Europe, like if you're not heavily invested in Google and uh, there are alternate uh, app stores now that they're actually pretty great. I'm not talking about App Gallery, of course, but like yeah. Aurora Store, for example, is really great. It's a basically a connects to the Google Play Store directly and gives you all your apps. But of course, you still can't get the GMS apps working. Yeah. But, you know, you can get Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and, you know, Outlook and even Chrome. The web browser runs just fine. Google Maps runs fine. Google Photos works, but you can't back up your photos, but it lets you do the <laughs> editing. So it's got all the nice features the ai editing features so it's not impossible but it's definitely challenging if your a lot of your life is in google no no i, I definitely agree uh i i use uh an app store called apk pure oh, which cool, yeah which does the same thing and actually shows you the updates as well uh when you need update when you need to update the applications um you know the one i actually tried using the device for about two to three weeks uh, and I realized that I actually don't use Google services. I can do without it Google services other than YouTube, which is basically my profession. So for me, right. that was that was the main limiting factor there. But you're, you're definitely right with that. I did hear a rumor, though. I don't know if you heard this, but I, somebody was floating out there that uh, while uh, we might re-release a Mate 30 Pro with... Um, updated specs but just a different color to continue the line i don't know how true that is or how effectively they can work around that i mean they did for the p30 pro i don't know if you heard recently yeah they yeah, re released the p30 pro in germany with gms and updated specs and colors oh really yeah i mean the, it's more like it's just ram and storage like everything okay, else no. is the same like they can't change the processor, processor because for yeah. gms certification you can't change the display of the processor they could have changed the cameras though the battery and the RAM and storage. I did the RAM and storage and reissued a new color. So there you go. Mm. We'll see. We'll, we'll I mean, see how that pans out. I'm really, again, you know, we were talking about my pet peeve about this current regime we live under. And, you know, I really hope that things improve because uh, this is part of the problem. Like, if you even going beyond what we discussed at the beginning of the show, which is the biggest most important thing going on right now in my opinion we still have all this other stuff that's affecting tech every day because this government and our president trump is making these decisions which are ridiculous it's like you know huawei consumer products should not really have anything to do with any of this i can understand the big battle in the 5g network mm -hmm. space and the fears around spying because huawei is heavily uh, connected to the chinese government there's some genuine security concerns there and i can see those but I feel like consumer products, like, come on. Like, what's next? You're going to ban BBK? And then we're not going to get OnePlus phones anymore all of a sudden? <laughs> like, how are the carriers going to feel about that? How is Qualcomm going to feel about that, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, if anybody's been driving, you know, the kind of the pinnacle of technology in the U.S. market, it's been, you know, it's been OnePlus, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, when you think of what's the best you can buy that's not Samsung or Apple in the U.S. right now, it's one plus it's one plus right yeah. so like i don't know like i mean i'm worried about that because i really feel like he he could just keep going until like it's all gone and we don't have anything good anymore you know i mean i mean that's that's true i think you know everything comes down 
as bad as it is, everything comes down to lobbying and lobbying dollars because that is always what happens around politics. <laughs> For sure. Uh, you know, so it all depends on who's lobbying and who's doing a better job and how much money you're spending. Yep. So I, I would just tell Huawei, you know, find a better lobbyist and get ready to spend some more money. Hopefully <laughs> yeah. that helps. Spend some serious... I, I, think, I think, you know, they're caught in the politics as well. You know, it's like Cathay Pacific, right? The airlines in in Hong Kong. You know, they're trying to be all like, you know, liberal about their, and democratic about their approach to things. And then the the Chinese government is like, no, you can't do that. And (laughs) it's like, what do they do, right? It's it's very tough. So, but look, the reality is this is we doesn't matter whether it has GMS or not because the hardware is so spectacular that it is really important for all of us media to continue Media influence, whatever you want to call us. I don't want to be called an influencer. Please don't call me an influencer. No, wait, I'll, I'll, t- I'll take that. I'll, I'm the influencer. Okay, you're the influencer. Uh, <laughs> but my point is like, uh, I'm also not really media. I don't know. I, I don't really know what I am. I'm just a pundit. God damn it. So, uh, so I mean, look, we have to cover this, this hardware. It's spectacular. Like nobody's done dual telephoto and one that's 10x optical yet. And so mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, and hopefully this can be resolved with the software issues. But I think that there is still some hope. And uh, speaking of Android and speaking of software, Android 11 beta is out. And uh, I watched Dieter's video on The Verge mostly because it was convenient. And Dieter has always got some interesting takes on things. I don't always agree with him, but I think that (laughs) overall he's very entertaining. So what is your take on 11 beta real quick? Like I'm, you know, I'm not a software person. Like to me... I see the evolution of Android and I'm happy with most things, generally speaking. And I feel that they keep incorporating good features that companies are introducing, you know, themselves. on their products themselves first, like Thank scrolling, you. scrolling screenshots and stuff. And, and that's good, but I'm, I'm nothing is really like wowing me here. I think that maybe the Google home on the, on the power lock screen is cool. If you have a lot of Google home stuff like mm-hmm. lights and things, and I do like the notifications where you can have the person's icon in the notification bar for yeah. like the, the ones that like your spouse or whatever. I mean, it's it's cool, you know, but I'm not like excited, excited, like give it to me now thing. I, um, I've stopped caring about uh, <laughs> Android updates for at least maybe three years. Um, I mean, I have covered them, but I, for me, you said it best. You, you know, there's a lot of things uh, companies incorporated this already. So, if you own uh, a Samsung device, an LG device, um, they've incorporated a lot of. They've already started doing these things earlier. You know, the Google Home integration, which is great. Um, I've got uh, a Galaxy uh, Note 10 here, and Samsung Smart Things already has that. They had that two years ago. Wow! Um, yeah. And they had it as an app, which was always showing up as a notification. Then they had that embedded um, into the device last year. Um, and I use smart things because I switch between either Alexa or uh, Google Home. So I just want something that I, yeah. can, I can move my devices across easily. I'm in the same boat. <laughs> it's so bad. It's like I only really have uh, Echoes set up in my house for for like home automation and I do everything else with Google Assistant. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yes. But it's it's good to see that they incorporate in these things. One of the things that um, uh, I wish 
Google did to make the ecosystem a bit firmer is not just incorporate or, or take things from different manufacturers, but also find ways to leverage the good things that some of these manufacturers have done. Um, uh, the early days of Google Pay and the mess they had, I wish they had gone out and said, Samsung, license Samsung Pay to us and let's call it a day. Yeah. And, and that goes across all you know, Android devices to some level. Do you think that Samsung would have said yes, though? In the first year, no. But I think by the second year, they would have. Yeah, probably you're right. Yeah. It would have made things so much simple because their magnetic, the, their magnetic stripe uh, emulation feature yeah. is really cool. Yeah, like, it's, we it's, need that. <laughs> it, it, it is. And I think it's, you know, again, all these deals are also are, are, are very interesting because it's something where they can say, hey, Samsung, you license us for this amount, we'll drop your your the our licensing fees for using Android uh, to this amount. And, you know, Samsung sells how many phones? It makes more sense for them to do that. The, you know, there are ways to work around these things to make it happen. So I'm glad that they're making their own, but I think there's a lot of features from different manufacturers. Even some of the Chinese manufacturers have some really cool features where they were doing screen recording a long time. And uh, I don't think stock Android has screen recording yet. Now we finally have a voice recorder. I but think it's, it's just it's been so the screen recording thing is kind of been a weird thing because it was in the beta for Android 10 last year and then they removed it. Yes, yes. And then right. now it's yeah. also in the beta for 11. So everybody's like, will it stick this time? <laughs> we don't know. This is the thing about Google that I struggle as a fan of Google and a Pixel. I switched to OnePlus this year because I couldn't deal with the Pixel 4. It just mm -hmm. drove me nuts. There are many things that are wonderful about it, but it drove me nuts. So, but I'm a big Google fangirl for sure. And I just, one thing I have a hard time with Google is how they just seem to be in their own universe half the time. It's just like, we're just going to yes. do our own thing. It's kind of like they have no concept of reality. They're in their little Silicon Valley bubble. And I shouldn't be speaking because I'm in San Francisco in the bubble too. But like, seriously, like they're so out there. It's like, oh, we're just going to do this. And we're like, no, you're not. This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. We're like, we don't care, you know? Yeah. I, I think that you're right. That is probably one of my key problems as well with um, the, you know, I, the way Google handles the Android ecosystem and also just Android software in general, where every year, for me, the biggest thing I've always wanted was just a cohesive and singular um, messaging platform. Just, just, just one clear, simple messaging oh God, platform. Yeah. And we know how many iterations they have, <laughs> uh, different versions. You know, there was, it started with Gchat a long time ago, which I thought, okay, fine. If you just evolve that, um, uh, and it went to, you know, I, I now use Hangouts and then they didn't like Hangouts. They got Duo and we had, uh, Allo, Allo and, and, Duo. and, and, and in my mind, I went, okay, I get it. If you didn't like Hangouts and you thought the software was bad, why don't you make what you like and just still name it Hangouts 2.0 or just keep it in the family yeah. and tell people you need an update, which means you wipe out the old app and you install the new one. Done. And then we move forward. But it's the thing Google does. So it's, it's one of those things where I, I'm just waiting for whichever manufacturer picks it up and makes their own spin on it and then adds something else on top. And I go, okay, cool. That's, that's great. And I'll, I'll take that. Totally. I'm there too. So I'll leave a, a link to Dieter's story on The Verge so you can, uh, because I'm not about to go through all the features. There's way too many. 
And and as as uh, Thunder E said, I don't care so much. It'll happen. It'll get on my phone, and I'll hope hopefully be not too mad about what I see. You know. Yeah. Um, but uh, you might care, so check it out. Uh, speaking of uh, Chinese phones and India and cheap phones and all that good stuff, OnePlus Z, OnePlus Z, OnePlus 8 Lite, whatever you want to call it, is rumored to be coming to India on July 10th, and it looks like it might be India only. And oh, no. that would be... No, please, please, OnePlus, we need that phone so bad in the US right now to completely obliterate the Pixel 4a. Not that I want that because I'm sure the Pixel 4 is going to be just great, but this will be greater for sure. And it's got a Snapdragon. It's basically a OnePlus 8 with a Snapdragon 765G and 90 hertz. And why not? And rumored <laughs> to be priced at, if you do the conversion, 330 bucks. Let's say it's 450 in the US. I'm still on board. Yeah. No, I, you I know what I'm saying? Like, am, yeah. undercut the OnePlus. 7T that's on sale for 499 right now. And I'm good. I'm good. Mm -hmm. I'm on board 100%. Because here's the thing. I mean, you're a gamer. I have a Red Magic 5G that I'm reviewing right now. And you know how we sometimes need our Snapdragon 800 series, right? Yeah. But 99% of you out there do not need an 800 series Snapdragon. You don't even need a 7. You know, arguably a 720 maybe. But I wouldn't probably go to to like a Moto G Power to play games. But... But but a 700 series, come on, it's perfect. And we don't see any phones with seven. Like they announced the chip at the same time as the 800 in December. And crickets in the US, at least in the US, all right? Mm -hmm. In the US, there's not a single carrier selling a 765 phone. It seems like they just wanted like pillage and destroy with thousand dollar phones <laughs> all day long the carriers and qualcomm and you and everyone it's like <laughs> we don't need this right now right now we need 300 400 phones that don't suck yeah no i agree you said you said the pillage <laughs> uh, i mean it, it is true and it and i i i hope oneplus is listening and understand that you know this is where they need to to bring back some of that, you know, that old fire of, you know, never settle of saying, hey, look, you know, LG had the same idea with the Velvet because the Velvet yeah. looks like a lovely device. 765 has all the specs that you would like, but it's priced at 750 right, for that. Uh, I and mean, it's going, Korean pricing. Korea is really expensive. So okay. they could be probably sell it for 500 in the U.S. I, with carrier I, subsidies, subsidies, you know? Okay, so let's call it 500, 550 in the U.S., right? Yeah. And, and if if it even hits the U.S., because LG, again, could be problematic with here. Oh, man, yeah. With the whole process. But the fact that this, you know, is rumored at 330, so we're looking, as you said, 400, 450 for this device. Forget the 330 price point. But it's a OnePlus, so you know that... That 765 will run as probably one of the fastest 765 devices you will ever pick up because the devices run really fast, very smooth, quite effectively. Uh, and again, people like me, you want a game, you've got that there. The fact that they've improved their camera, um, you know, the camera functionality in the last couple of years means that you're gonna probably going to get a really solid camera on this device. So yep. OnePlus, please bring it to the US please. and if you know when I, I I guarantee you that one of us will get our hands on it even if they don't bring it to the US and compare it to the eight and for everyday use like for just the normal everyday stuff there will be no difference in the feel 
Mm -hmm. I can guarantee you that. Like in gaming, we might notice because the GPU is not as good on the 765. But I think for just average everyday, like app start times. And I mean, as long as they put a fast enough file system and a DDR5 uh, chip uh, RAM in there, I think we'll be totally fine for like day-to-day use. And that's what I'm trying to say is like, I don't think, I understand the Qualcomm, it has cost them a lot of money to develop the 800 series, especially with a separate X55 modem that is basically the Swiss army knife of modems. But not everybody needs this. And and like, you either do what Apple did and bring your flagship chip to $400 price points somehow, and maybe you cut some corners because they did with the display and stuff to do that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I'm talking about the iPhone SE second gen, of course, but, or you do, or you just do this a, a kind of a slightly cheaper decontented chip that still doesn't suck, which is what Qualcomm did, but seems that nobody else is on board, at least for the US market right now. And every time I talk to Qualcomm, to the manufacturers, they say, oh, it's coming, it's coming. Our 765 phones are coming. And I'm like, it's been seven months, almost six now, it's June. Mm-hmm. Like, where are they? Like, th- we need them more than ever right now. Like, like, would you sacrifice a little bit of gaming performance, uh, just a little bit, for a phone that costs five instead of seven hundred fifty dollars? I probably would. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think, I think also it comes from the fact that this is my own gripe with Qualcomm is that they do not know how to market their own products. They don't know how to 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 give that incentive push to say, hey, look, we know that you are doing well in this market and you want to expand here. How about you move in? With a with our 700 chipset, because yeah, even if we sell you the 800, um, Samsung is going to dominate. Samsung yeah. is also going to get the first orders anyway yeah. <laughs> of that chip. So how about you release a 765, and you know we'll help you with certain things. And and I think that's the that's one of the things that they need to learn from Intel. You know, Intel did that so well and has done that so well, which you know has helped them create a a, a buffer cushion, which might actually be chipped away considering the latest rumors of Apple moving to ARM chipsets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just transitioned myself out there. This is the rumor that I've discussed with uh, with Rene Ritchie now a few times. And this is something I've been waiting for forever. I want an ARM-based ultra-portable Mac like my MacBook 12-inch was. And I, I'm really excited that they're going to apparently announce this transition at uh, Worldwide Developer Conference later this month. So... It's happening, folks. I'm I'm jazz. Are you like ultra portable? I mean, you know, it's gonna be battery life, LTE, all that good stuff. I don't know. I I mean, I part of me is, and part of me is just trying to understand. I guess it's because I always think of things a certain way. I go, um, are you just uh, are you is it gonna run macOS? Is it going to be a merger of iOS and Mac? No, no, it's macOS. It's macOS. Mac OS. Yeah, you know, Apple's been very good at kind of keeping them separate. separate yeah, and I think they want to continue that because the Mac users want that, right? And then what about power performance? You know, that kind of thing where um, we do know, yes, you can edit on an iPad, which means you can definitely edit on you know your ARM based uh, MacBook. Yeah. Uh, but if you need more power for anything else then you might have to still go with a MacBook Pro. It might just be a MacBook Air that stays there. Yeah. You yeah. know. I think the first Macs we're going to see with ARM are going to be basically, you know, they they phased out the 12-inch, the super mm-hmm. light, super thin that yeah. I still use as my travel Mac. And I that would instantly be the the form factor you want for that thing. That yeah. that could make it super sexy, you know, with LTE built in. So here's the question I have for you. 
With Apple making that announcement, and most likely we're going to see that quick transition from them, say, in the next six months to a year, what does it say about Windows transition (laughs) to ARM? Now, granted, Windows is a very different beast because Microsoft still has considered the plethora of software that, you know, Everybody writes for it and says we want to run on on Windows, but the fact that it's been a very difficult challenge, especially with the lovely hardware. I love the Surface Pro X. I love the hardware, but not a lot of things run on there, right? So my question is, what does it say about Microsoft and the Windows transition to ARM? I think you can't really compare Apple and and Microsoft here because Apple has done this transition twice before from 68K to PowerPC, from PowerPC to Intel, Mm -hmm. and they nailed it both times. And they got the developers on board very early on. And the the Apple developers, especially the Mac developers, are like this crazy cult. Like, no offense to them, I love them because they make great apps. But they are really on board. And in fact, you've had the ability to compile for ARM in Xcode for a while now. It's just, I don't think it's something you can test. But mm-hmm. they're probably going to, for most developers, going to be flipping a switch and recompiling. Now, for big projects like Adobe, it took Adobe forever to transition from PowerPC to Intel because they have so much legacy code, right? And I think Microsoft might have a slightly harder time tra- transitioning Office. Uh, although they now have an ARM-based of, a version of Office for yes, Windows yeah. and an ARM version for the iPad. So, yeah. you know, I, I think... I think the reality is that it might not be as bad as you think. The big question mark for a lot of people right now is, is there going to be an emulator for x86 uh, legacy apps? Because the two last transitions Apple did, that's what made it possible. And as you know, one of the problems with Windows on ARM is that it only emulates 32-bit apps, not 64-bit x86 apps. So I think there's a combination here of Apple's done this before and has a really strong developer community and might be able to pull it off better because of, you know, experience. But there's also the fact that they're making their own ARM chips. And that means that some of your fears around power and performance might not be a problem for them. They might have like a mega ARM chip, a mega ARM chip waiting in the, in, you know, sidelines for that purpose. Yeah. That is well sorted already because they've been playing with it for a while and it's kind of like takes the iPad Pro's chip and cranks it up to 11. And in that point, at that point, they might be able to emulate x86 Mac apps, not super fast, but fast enough that it it's usable. I mean, Rosetta, the emulator for PowerPC apps on Intel that's no longer in Mac OS, but was there in that transition time, wasn't great, but it worked. It was reliable. It wasn't super fast, but it wasn't horrible either. You know what I'm saying? Like it yeah. was kind of a perfect balance. So I'm hoping to see an emulator, but the rumors seem to be that maybe that's not going to happen. And instead they're going to really push the developers to recompile their apps. And so we might miss some of the critical apps, but then again, who uses Microsoft Office unless you're in the cloud now? And who uses Microsoft Adobe unless you use Creative Suite that's in the cloud and and the pros use that anyway. So Apple didn't abandon the PowerPC for another two years, yeah. support-wise. So your MacBook Pro 16 right now, if you're a creator, will run Adobe and, and Microsoft apps with no issues for at least two years, supported by Apple. I think you'll be fine. Yeah. So that's my take on it. Okay. Uh, we've got a few more little rapid-fire news items I want to throw out there since we're talking about um, Forbidden Fruit. Uh, Modo announced two phones last week, the GFast and the E. I covered them. And then 
They this week announced randomly, without even sending us PR materials, the Moto 1 Fusion Plus for Europe. Like, I don't understand Moto. It's like, it's like, can the global PR and the Europe PR and the US PR all talk to each other? Because I don't want to have to randomly read on Engadget because they have somebody in India or in Germany that got the news from the PR, Moto PR from Germany about, you know, this new phone, that there's a new phone. Like, could Moto PR in the US just do me a favor, throw me a bone and say, hey, by the way, here's a press release for this phone that we're announcing right now in Europe. Like, it doesn't even have to be under embargo because this thing is weird. Like, we're not going to get it. And mm -hmm. it's pretty much like a Moto One Hyper, but with extra cameras and a faster processor. It's basically what the One Hyper should have been. <laughs> and now Europe is getting... Of course, you'll be able to import it and it'll work just fine. But I'm just saying, like, I don't understand Moto's strategy here. You know, you know one thing that with Moto there's, that I've, I've come to realize over the last couple of years is that, first of all, Moto's CEO is from Brazil. Yes. Brazil is also their biggest market. Mm -hmm. And they have consciously decided that the US market, even though it still does well for them, especially with their budget devices, is not as important. And right. they treat news that way as well. Not understanding that. And this, I think this gets me just as much as it gets you is that uh, news is global now. News is not um, local or restricted to a segment because number one, it hits Twitter. We all know, it doesn't matter where you live, it's already out there. If somebody, if you send out the press release or if you're, you want us to cover it, it's going to be out there. So why are you sectioning things even though you definitely know that, look, you know, you have audiences all around the world. Yeah. Your, your audience is not just based in the US. Your, your audience is not even based in San Francisco. It's, it's all over the place, <laughs> you know? So, they need to understand that. And I think right now, Motorola does not know where it needs to go. I think that's also because Lenovo has kind of just pushed it to the side and said, mm, just try. We don't money. understand what you are. <laughs> just, 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 you know, you're making money. Cool. Just, just do that. And just don't, don't break the bank. Yeah. Look, it's just, all I'm saying is that, you know, yes, I understand Economically, it doesn't make sense to bring this phone to the US. Nobody's going to buy it. Pretty much, you know, very few people actually buy the G and the E series, relatively speaking. You know, the flagship has always been what's been driving things because of the carriers. And right now, you know, the big Edge Plus is like the big, you know, flagship that everybody is going to look up to if they're a Moto fan, right? So, but I still think that giving that option is not a bad thing. If I could buy that phone on Amazon, I can I can buy the Hyper and the Action and the Zoom and the, I don't know how many different macro. I made so many Moto 1 series that each had a specialized purpose, it mm -hmm. seemed. Like, why not just make that phone available uh, to everyone and just say, yeah, we primarily are targeting you know European customers. It's just weird. I, I just and also so close to the previous phone that is so much similar. It's it's like I feel that they're diluting themselves too much. It's like they're not a big enough brand to do that. It feels like to me. But no, they they are becoming a, a budget brand to the highest degree. So I'm not I'm not exactly sure where their thinking is, but hey. Good luck to them. Anyway, I'll link to an article, folks. Check it out. There's some specs in there. Snapdragon 700 series. Uh, it's got three or four cameras in the back. One of them is 64. It's got a pop-up camera um, with an IPS panel. 
it it looks it looks like a hyper on steroids. It's cool. Um, HTC, remember them? Uh, they're <laughs> coming out with them. I mean, we've we've talked about this on a few shows ago. There was rumors of this coming. There's a Desire Twenty Pro mid range phone with a 600 series Snapdragon coming out June 16th. I really don't have much to say about that, but maybe I'll be nice and say, "Go HTC, go make us another phone." Uh, maybe not a mid ranger though. I would have liked something a little better. Like this, you can't even speak. Yeah, exactly. Thunder is exactly. like, I'm not. Screw this! I'm not talking about this. HTC is another lost soul of a company. I One know, that right? was it was an Android darling for the longest time. To me, I wish they had just gone and said, "Look, if you're going to release a phone this year, let's do something smart. Let's do something innovative. Uh, let's just create something. Use a 765. Call it a day." Yeah, exactly. And yet. Here we are with some mid-range generic blend of a Mi, Xiaomi, and a something else from the looks of the leaks. Now, just, just think about it quickly. 665, Redmi Note 9 Pro Max. I know. Snapdragon 720. I know. It's like from now on, anytime somebody like you and I, when we're on a briefing from now on, <laughs> if they come out with a feature and the price point is too high or the processor is too low for the price, we'll just stop and say... Nope, it's not a Redmi Note 9 Pro Max. Screw you. We're done. We're out of here. Hang up. Like, it's going to be our go-to from now. I, I'm going to ping. I'm totally going to ping Xiaomi PR and ask for this phone now because I have to freaking try it out. Oh, my God. And then speaking of actually sub-700 phones, the Nokia 7.X series, the 0.1 and then 0.2 this year, I think we're a little overpriced for what they were, but they were pretty solid in terms of their specs and their features and their camera and all that. And I mean, if they had cost less than 200, I think they'd be perfect, perfect phones. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know that the six point something series is in there, but there's rumors of a 7.3 5G and they've already announced the 8.3 5G and that's got a 765. So what would this have? This is, uh, I mean, according to the reports, it's, it's supposed to be the MediaTek uh, Dimensity 800. Um, okay, well, that SoC. makes sense then. So yeah. we're looking at a device that will go in around the, what, $400 price range, maybe? Yeah, something like yeah, that. something yeah. like that. You but know. yeah, I mean, so this is interesting to me, but 400 still seems a little too high for a 7 Series. It's, it's like, you know, have you noticed that the Motos and the Nokias, all the mid-range phones sold in the US are just too much money when you look at the Redmi Note, Note 9, 9 Pro, Pro Max. Max. <laughs> like, I think this is going to be our chant from now on. Like, seriously, it's so bizarre to me how, I, who was I talking to with recently about how, what America considers mid-range is just ridiculous, you know? Like, you can buy a freaking Poco phone F2 Pro with a Snapdragon 865, folks, and 5G for less than 500? Yeah, less than five, I believe. Like, like, like for something, for... Okay, and, yeah. and you know, like, I bet you we're going to see more 700 series phones, probably with 5G in that $300 range very, very soon yeah. from, from China and India and stuff. At least we're supposed to because every carrier and manufacturer keeps telling me it's happening. Well, uh, well, Samsung's Galaxy A71 is oh, coming, yeah, that's right. coming with 5G because the A51 is their best-selling smartphone from last year and this year. Yes, yeah, too bad they put a crappy freaking Exynos in there. Everyone yeah. that I've played with it said it's just sluggish. Every the thing looks like a rock star though, right? It, it's a good-looking phone and 
if you have the patience to use it like the like an Exynos device is, it's not bad, but it is very it's it's sluggish. It's one of those yeah. things where you yeah. go, you, you should have done the Samsung. So the 765 on the A71 looks like I just hope they price it well. I hope they price it where it feels like it's cheaper than an S series. Like an Oh, a it should, has to be. Yeah. A, it really a can does, never right? go past an S it price. It needs to become the new 10E. Yes, I agree. Right? That yeah. was such a great phone for the money. So I think we're at the end of our topics. But, um, you know, for those of you who listened through the whole way through, thanks for staying on for the whole thing. I know we went off topic a little bit, but it's really important that we talked about these things. And thanks, Thundery, for bringing your voice to the table. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. We're going to let you tell the folks uh, on the show where they can find your social media handles and websites and all that right now, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, my channel is called Board at Work, spelt with two O's. Uh, you can find me on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, uh, all with the handle Board at Work. And I cover a lot of tech, just like, of course, Miriam does. Yes, you should absolutely tune in. This is uh, great content. And again, stuff you don't expect, like the Redmi Note 9, 9 Pro, Pro Max. Max. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to, like, a, I'm me and dad jokes. It's, it's bad. Um, so uh, <laughs> you guys know where to find me on the internet. I'm at Tankgirl, that's T-N-K-G-R-L, like the comic book character without the vowels. That's Twitter and Instagram for me. So Twitter is where you want to talk with me about the podcast since it's hard to comment on podcasts. And then Instagram is where you'll find photos of phones I'm reviewing and photos taken with phones I'm reviewing and all that good stuff. And then uh, there's YouTube channel. I mentioned it earlier, youtube.com slash mobile tech podcast. There's some unboxing, some maybe some reviews sometimes, some, uh, some hands-on, that kind of stuff. Check it out. Uh, it's nothing spectacular, but it's good visual reference for the show the podcast lives at mobiletechpodcast.com if it's the first time you're tuning in kudos for staying on till the end <laughs> and uh this is a bit of an unusual format but also uh please subscribe we're on all the major platforms google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, pocket cast spotify so find us there mobile tech podcast with tank girl and you know subscribe tell your friends all that good stuff same with YouTube. Subscribe, tell your friends, click the notification bell, comment, like, all that good stuff. If you are on a podcasting platform that allows you to do it, please write a review or rate us because it makes a, a big difference. And I say us, me and my guests. There's also a donate link in the show description in the show notes. Please consider donating. It's a PayPal link. We appreciate it. It helps. Um, you know, this is not a big production, so I hope that uh, you can help us a little bit. And then uh, I want to thank our sponsor, Audible. Audible has been with us forever, and they are like the platform for audiobooks. If you like books and you like reading, maybe you're a delivery driver, you're like on the road all day and you can't read books, so you're listening to them. Well, guess what? They're your platform. So check it out. We have a special offer which helps the podcast and helps you. 30-day free trial. You get to keep a book at the end. And whether you stay or not, you support the show. So consider that the URL is in the show notes below. It's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. If you're not familiar with Audible, they are the number one, you know, audiobook platform. And they have an incredible selection. A lot of the books are read by the authors. It's my really favorite thing. And uh, yeah, you'll love it, I think, if you haven't joined yet. Consider supporting the show by clicking on the link. And uh, yeah, we want to thank Audible for being with us since the early days and continuing to stick around. 
appreciate it. And I also appreciate you, Thundery, for being on the show once again. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much for having me on. It's always fun, pleasure, and it's good to see you and uh, talk. Absolutely. Like we actually had video going for this whole show, which I don't usually do, but it's been such a pleasure. Folks, stay tuned. We'll have another show next week. I've got a very special guest lined up, so it's going to be exciting. And uh, until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.